Hi, I'm Grant Speed, and this is the Interim Leader Podcast, brought to you by Orgis Interim, the UK's largest provider of interim management services. In this second episode of our Interim Leader series, we take a deep dive into the UK's retail sector. And looking at the year ahead, we discuss the key trends that are likely to drive growth in what is currently a highly turbulent space. My guest on today's show is Jonathan Flynn, a retail expert and the head of Orgis Interim's retail practice. Jonathan has specialised in the retail sector for over 12 years and has worked with almost every major brand in the UK. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks, Grant. Good to be here. It's been a pretty rough year for uh, many of the traditional retail players, so much so that uh, last year, 2018, has been touted as the worst year for retail in the last 10 years. At the same time, however, there's been some success stories, you know, from co-op, which launched the uh, expansion plan, I think, to the tune of £160 million. And things like Made.com, which has seen a 40% sales growth year on year between 16 and 17. So why has this situation come about, Jonathan? Because I think that the retail game has changed, uh, Grant. You know, since it's, it's been exactly 10 years since the demise of Woolworths. And, you know, since then, several brands have just disappeared from the high street. You've got Blacks, MFI, British Home Stores. Um, Toys R Us, Maplin, Poundworld. I think when you look at those business ret- retrospectively, you think, you know, what was their proposition? Did they know the customer? Were they early to the digital party? And do people miss them now? Or, you know, where have these consumers gone? Um, it's been 12 years since the launch of the iPhone. Um, and, you Has know, that the, had the massive impact then, do you think? Well, it's, it's changed again completely, you know, in terms of e-commerce and mobile commerce. If you look at millennials now, they always have these things in their hand. They're always looking at social media and buying product on the back of that. Um, so yeah, it's had a huge impact. You know, Amazon, we've seen huge growth. It's been established since 94, but it's been really a powerhouse in the UK since the mid-noughties. And it's, it's, it's hoovered up a lot of these customers that these other high street retailers have lost. Is it because of then of the ease of purchase, you know? Amazon is very good at, you know, showing you the product that you want and delivering it to you quite often with Prime the next day. Yeah, and you can order it on your smartphone and it's done. It's taken the friction out of the, the purchase process. Um, and a lot of the, the high street retailers, you know, have still got to catch up with this digital experience. If you look at businesses like House of Fraser, Debenhams, you know, Mothercare, traditional retailers like that, they, they haven't reinvested in the business. They're more interested in returning shareholder value than they are in, in customer experience, I'd argue. So their eyes have been off the ball. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. And then you have brands going direct to market. I mean, you've got Nike that you know sells through any channel. Uh, some of the stores in the US now don't even have product in it. I went to, so you talked to me about this, and just before Christmas, I was, uh, I was out in New York, and I went to their new store, which is on Fifth Avenue. Yep. And they had a bit of product in it, but not very much product. Yeah. It was quite, quite confusing for a middle-aged man. <laughs> well, it's all about experience. You know, the millennials want to go in there, listen to DJs, they want to customise their trainers, they want to take, have, you know, have penalty shootouts. It's all about the experience. And Nike believes that those customers will go home and just order it from them directly online. But um, you know, one of the brands that's come about quite recently is, uh, is Huel. Have you heard of that? Uh, I, I have heard of it, yes. Okay, so it's, it's a, for those that don't know, it's a nutritionally complete food in a powder form that you make into a shake. There are no stores, you can only buy this thing online, and it's exploded over the past few years. With your first order of fuel, you get free a t shirt and shaker. Um, so, you know, which is genius marketing. Um, people are, you know, advertising this free of charge in the gym and putting it on their desk. So, how did it become big? 
social media. Um, because you know what you do now is if you have one of these shakers or t-shirts, take a photo of yourself, inst- you know, Instagram it, then all of a sudden you're part of this community, the Huel Army. So it's 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 um you know these guys even post recipes on how to make cookies and all other kinds of ingredients. So is this the new market? Is it is it okay? Where we we've got a product, we're just going to sell it direct to consumer. We're going to sell it via social media and promote it via social media and and get everybody to tag. Is yeah, that- I think it's you know brands that are strong enough, uh, you know, bypassing retail to go straight to consumers. You know, they they they've got their attention there on social media. These consumers are are ready to buy. Um, and you know, if you have a good, attractive product, then why not? It's this isn't a paid endorsement for a Huel, by the way. <laughs> but you know, br- bringing it back, th- th- there are other re- traditional retail businesses that have made a successful transition uh, to a true omnichannel retailer. Uh, Shop Direct have done it. They were a, a traditional catalogue retailer based in the north of England, uh, but now they have good product, they have good experience, they're frictionless, and they are a true multi-channel retailer. So they know their customer, right? Uh, absolutely. And again. You know, through data and insight, they know how to, uh, you know, personalize and, and, you know, market effectively to these people. So, look, you've talked about customer experience. You've talked about this reducing friction, which I get completely. Given it's so much easier to create this online, is it likely that we're just going to ditch the high street already? I read this week alone that we're going to lose 175,000 jobs in retail yeah. this year alone. Yeah. You know, if business rates are going up, mm-hmm. properties are expensive, yeah. what, what's going to happen to the high street? It's just a continuing trend. The increased cost of operating a store is just going to force brands to reconsider their bricks and mortar presence. You mentioned business rates there, but you've got living wage, apprenticeship levy, pension contribution from retailers. Retail is the biggest employer of human capital in the UK. You've got all this happening um, you know, amidst the backdrop of Brexit and a weak pound. It's just a, a perfect storm, as the retailers are calling it. Now, consumers are choosing convenience over, you know, walking down the traditional high street. Uh, online sales as a total of UK sales have just hit 20 percent and it just continues to grow. So the high street in its traditional sense, just it can't be saved. So it's got to evolve. It's going to become, you know, they're going to become community hubs that are made up of, I don't know, cinemas, restaurants, uh, office space, residential, you know, some 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 retail places. You know, it's just the, the, the high street evolving again. When our parents and grandparents used to shop on a daily basis, it's because they didn't have fridges. They kept everything in larders. So they had to go to the high street. Then came fridges, then came supermarkets and the weekly shop. But, uh, you know, people are now um, you know, not going to the high street as often. So, so what's going to actually happen to the high street, right? Because, uh, you know, what, what you're depicting is effectively empty shops. Well, the landlords need to think about what they're going to do with this, because already, if you look in you know, provincial towns, the, the, the high street is like a mouthful of broken teeth. There's just empty space all over the place. Now, these, the, the, the space has to be um, you know, reallocated to other industries because retailers don't want to put more shops um, and just sell stuff and hope that people will uh, you know, walk past or walk in and buy something. So they have to become uh, places where, you know, where a community is going to gather, whether that's residential, office space or leisure. Going back to this point about seeing lots of these retailers collapse and, and I'm guessing a lot of are hamstrung by very long leases that they've signed, right? Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so... Those that are homestrung by these long leases, they've, they've got to focus on the customer experience. They've got to make the best of what they've got. 
So they've got to take away the in-store friction, the queuing, um, you know, for uh, changing room space and all of this stuff that just aggravates the purchase experience. So people, you know, we are social animals. We do want to shop. People still want to go to physical stores, but it's got to be more about the experience. We need to, or retailers need to concentrate on the areas where Amazon and ASOS can't compete yet. Okay. You say yet. Yeah, Amazon are opening retail stores, aren't they? They are. I mean, um, it, like I said, it's no longer just good enough to have a store and spoiling the, uh, the, the customer with choice. Uh, physical stores have got to enhance the experience using technology. And I see retail in three main categories. You've got food, you've got fashion, and you've got general merchandise. Now, food. Alibaba, um, one of the biggest retailers in the world, opened 65 stores uh, last so, year. So Alibaba was a big online retailer. Yeah, yeah. So open 65 stores and, you know, what it's concentrating on is, is converging physical and digital. Everyone has a smartphone. You use apps. You can use an app to tell you where the store is. You can see how it's rated. You can get discount codes. You can pay for your goods. And then you can go and share your experience afterwards with your friends on, on social media. You know, you know, with Amazon, everything's becoming increasingly insight and data driven. They are the king of data in terms of retail. They'll ramp up their use of machine learning and computer vision to track the customer journey and find out exactly how they interact with the shop. And they can, you know, design the layout of the store, uh, you know, from, from customers and how they use it. So you've got a physical evolution of the store itself. But it's interesting that the online giants, Alibaba, Amazon, mm. are now moving into bricks and mortar yep. stores yep. because of the insights and data that they've managed to, you know, glean yeah, okay. it just it, it just reminds me of a saying that retail isn't dead, but boring retail is. And these guys know uh, how retail should be done. So we've touched on food with Alibaba and yeah. you know general merchandise with uh with with Amazon, yeah, but with fashion as well. And we talk about friction and experience. There's there's things now that when you walk into a store, can body scan you, get your shape. So when you pick up a t-shirt or a pair of jeans, you don't physically have to try the stuff on. You can stand in front of an augmented reality screen. It'll show you exactly what it looks like and give you a percentage rating on whether or not it's going to fit or not. So, you know, th this is real in, you know, advancement. Okay. Uh, which is interesting because I'm guessing from an online perspective in terms of fashion, they have a lot of issues with returns from wrong sizes or people buying different sizes and so on. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think uh, people order two, three sizes of the one product just to have that assurance that when they want to wear it out on Friday night, they're going to have one that fits. The other ones will just get sent back. And, you know, the cost, you know, falls on the retailer. So it's a, it's a huge problem. Always has been for retail businesses. But is it more so with online? Is it is it actually quite difficult to predict what your sales are weekly if you're getting a large proportion of your stuff returned? Yeah, it is. It would be interesting to, 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 uh, to, to know more about that because there's a lot of retail businesses now looking at when you do the online experience that will ask for your body shape it'll ask for you know um height weight all of those kind of metrics and it can predict with some degree of certainty what size it's going to be i mean obviously they're doing this to try and get rid of that problem okay so what else what else is going on in uh the future you know what, what's going to happen to uk supermarkets there's going to be a convergence of often online i think we'll see many uk retailers try and replicate the, the models of you know these amazon go stores these alibaba stores we're likely to see a major supermarket in the uk copy alibaba and launch an in-store app you know to, to have information in store and to be able to pay for the goods um i mean 
not a UK grocery retailer, but Apple have launched an app that when you walk past it, it'll tell you exactly what's happening in the store today. And he offers what's been launched as you walk as past, you walk the, store. past the store. So I don't know. Do you remember Minority Report? Unfortunately, yes. That's the way we're heading. Okay. <laughs> Retina, wow. Retina scanning. Jonathan, we've got something for you today. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, going back to the point, the high street in its current state, it, it can't be saved. It's going to play to its strengths. You know, there's physical space there. Um, and these retail, these uh, online retailers can't compete in that space just yet. So the ones that are there need to... To focus on experience, right? Exactly. To focus on the customer experience as you're going in. Exactly. And, and, and I suppose, look, I, we talked about Nike earlier and that store of the future. If that's the store of the future, that's quite frightening to someone like me. Um, but what, what else might influence the store of the future? Well, there's other major brands um, like Rafa. They're trying to create a community hub. Sorry, I don't know Rafa. Rafa, it's um, it's posh cycling gear for, um, I was going to say middle cyclists. <laughs> for cyclists. Yeah. yeah so it, there's a community hub in there. They've got little coffee shops where you get brownies, read books. You know, they've got uh, uh, a very exclusive and uh, uh, clothing range. Um, so it, it's, it's going to be more about experience. Um, there's other brands out there that do very, um, you know, limited runs or VIP access. Uh, there are brands like Kent and Kerwin, um, yeah, which, Kent, which yeah. is part of the Geeves and Hawks business, yeah. launched by David Beckham, that when it started, it just did limited edition drops. So it would drop 200 or 300 pieces of one garment, and that was it. When it's gone, it's gone. And that's quite prevalent, I think, in the younger generation, my son, for example, uh, shops for stuff, uh, brands like Supreme, where they do very limited edition runs, nine or 10 o'clock every Thursday morning. And when it's gone, it's gone. But that, these, that's just creating demand. That's kind oh, of marketing, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and many of these people are buying it on the Thursday and then putting on um, sites like Depop later on that date to sell it at twice the value. How's retail play out in, you know, in areas where there's not quite the high footfall? In, in you know regionally across the UK in yeah. the smaller towns mm -hmm. where the the customer experience you know, might not be yeah. so important. I, I've seen the rise of you know there's Bista Village, Cheshire Oaks, and so on. Is that how retail's going? I think there's always going to be a demand for things like Bista Village and Cheshire Oaks. You know they they are off the beaten track. They're outside of of, of town centres, and it's it's a kind of a destination. It's a place you go with the family kind of for the day and do a day shopping. London and New York are, you know, where you find the flagship stores and the new pop-up things and things being launched. So there's more of a pull for consumers. So um, in the provincial towns that you, you mentioned, the, the high street can't exist in its, its, its current state. It's too saturated. There's just continual nail bars, coffee shops, betting shops, hairdressers. So there's, there's no demand for new traditional retail stores on the high street and they haven't really developed that model in the last 30 years so you know again they're going to go back to community hubs um because retail businesses are just not looking to expand the store footprint in these these towns you keep talking about community hubs and sort of i get that but you know if you look at this you'll see a lot of charity shops and so on in these streets amongst other things you know, isn't it time the government did something about changing that landscape, making it more competitive to, to have a retailer? Should we see more independent retailers? I think there's going to be a rise of in, independent retailers. Uh, you know, in towns, um, you know, I'm thinking of a town recently that brought a cinema development with it and loads of casual dining and retail. Mm. Um, and within a year, 25% of these casual, of these restaurants have gone. 
So there's got to be some incentive from the, you know, the, the local authorities, from you know, central government to support retail. But the landlords have got to look at their proposition because if they're offering short term deals to get these businesses in, once that deal has expired, what's the incentive to be in another town where there's oversaturation and you're not getting the customer footfall and, and ultimately the pound? Mm. Interestingly, so, so um, I was in Oxford recently, and Oxford about a year ago launched their new Westgate shopping centre. Yeah. It sort of felt like it was 20 years too late yeah. uh, in terms of what it was delivering and so on. And they've had a similar issue whereby a lot of, uh, a lot of restaurants that had agreed to go there pulled out beforehand, mm-hmm. as did retailers. Yeah. And also some of the smaller um, restaurants there have, have shut down since yeah. in the past year. Um, it, it doesn't feel like they're creating a community hub there. No, not in places like that. Funnily enough, I was talking to uh, somebody about Milton Keynes, which I think was the first... It was a new town in the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. The, the first of its kind um, were kind of... They created that um, retail destination place in the 80s. Mm. But that's, you know, suffering pretty badly. So, no, you know, in short, I don't think these places like Cheshire Oaks or Westfields, Milton Keynes um, are going to save retail. I think it's more about retail looking at their proposition experience and, you know, how they can maximise potential in in every channel. So, look, there's a shrinking high street. You yeah. get that. And we've talked to the, about that in depth. But... You know, retailers are now having to focus up to issues about sustainability. If you think about plastic and recycling, uh, it's really driving change across retail. Is that going to be part of the store of the future? Yeah, Sustainability? Yeah. I mean, when you look at things like that, I mean, there's an environmental crisis, but, there's, you know, there's a global plastic crisis. You know, there's 80, 810,000 tonnes of plastic waste per year in the UK. So that averages out at about 2,000 tonnes per household of single-use plastic. Now, where are we getting the majority of this plastic from? You know, supermarkets are ultimately at the heart of the problem. Now, the, the, the supermarkets are flooding the UK with the, these tonnes of single-use plastic every year. So I think it's hit, you know, with programmes like this and a lot of it on social media, it's hit the conscience of the consumer and they want to do something about it. Now, a few years ago, there was a call for supermarkets to, to look at what they did with um, misshaped fruit and vegetables because there were so many farmers going out of business because supermarkets were rejecting anything they didn't look like the perfect carrot. So I think, you know, now um, people are more conscious of the environment and sustainability, and these are issues high up on uh, consumers' uh, mind. Who's, so, who's, so who's taking advantage of this? Who's getting out in front of it and doing something about it? Little has stopped using plastic. Uh, Black plastic packaging on fruit and veg. Um, Iceland have pledged to go plastic-free on its own brand products by 2023. Marks expenses recently as well. Why so long though? Okay, it's great that Iceland are going to do it, but you know that's four years away. Yeah, um, I mean, unfortunately, these things can't be can't be changed overnight. Uh, you know, it affects the whole supply chain of uh, you know things coming into the business. But um, there is the call for it. The consumers want it, and ultimately, the retailers are going to have to respond. So do, do you think uh, we're going to move towards, and th- this is coming full circle, and you used to go to a, you know, you talked about yeah. parents and grandparents would go mm. shopping every day, and they'd, they'd, they'd go to a greengrocer, and, you know, there'd be no plastic there. Yeah. Are we going to go back to a plastic-free you know, environment, plastic-free aisles, and so on? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how far it goes, but it's certainly got to go. Uh, there's got to be an improvement from, from what we have now. 
I mean, only last week, Marks and Spencers are getting back to just selling fruit, loose fruit and vegetable in a shift away from plastic. There's, you know, loads of independently owned plastic free stores around the UK. Um, there's a, a Dutch supermarket uh, called Echo Plaza, which sounds like something out of Ghostbusters, but they've introduced a plastic free aisle that has compostable, you know, biomaterials. 91% of Britons are behind the, the introduction of plastic free aisles. And major supermarkets will follow suit and, you know, there'll be plastic free aisles and this can only grow. But it takes the consumer to raise these issues, uh, you know, for the multiples to react in the same way they did with the misshaped fruit and veg a couple of years ago. OK, look, it's quite rapid, this pace of evolution. I think we're seeing changes in the retail sector that we hadn't seen before. There, there, there are new channels where things are being sold and you know that requires different leadership, yeah. different leadership with different skills. I don't think it's good enough now to be a Saturday boy at Asda and somebody that comes through the ranks and 20 years later is the chief executive. It's a completely new ball game. It's a completely new industry. So I think there's going to be new leadership, new structure. It's going to be less hierarchy, more holocrastic, so flexible working, agile, project-focused. There's going to be a, a, more of a demand for e-commerce leaders. I'm, I'm, or I have been working with a retail business recently, um, which is internationally focused, multi-channel focused. They're getting all the future leaders from Uber, Facebook, Airbnb. Um, so there will still be those people who are traditional, but they will have to reskill in different areas and be more project focused. So there's a backdrop of people coming from technology and software development moving yeah. into these organisations. Even banking and financial services. I mentioned earlier about Shop Direct making that transition from being a catalogue retailer to a true digital multi-channel retailer. Alex Baldock, their previous chief executive, who's just gone on now to Dixon's Carphone, he came from a banking environment. So yes, retail is looking outside of the sector to bring in talent. And that's traditionally something retail have not been very good at. No, no. Uh, traditionally, retail has been, if you've been a lifer in retail, that's what, you, you know, just get as, as far up the uh, organisational structure as you can, you know, try to get the chief executive. But it's it's all been homegrown talent. And people, you know, many of them that started off in the, in the store on Saturday. So are we going to see another turbulent year then this year on the backdrop of, you know, businesses closing down, um, at the, the brands we've grown up with disappearing? It's got off to a tough start. We saw HMV go into administration over Christmas. For, for the second time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Debenhams is on the brink. Um, you know, the high street will consolidate. We're going to lose some big brands this year. There's got to be a reinvention of physical space. You know, the retailers that are committed to the high street in terms of long leases have to reinvest. They have to um, they have to catch up with the consumer. Um, Amazon is already looking to acquire a significant number of small site retail businesses. Now, when this takes hold, they've already bought Whole Foods. But when they go into their own brand stores with Amazon Go, uh, it's, it's going to cause more chaos on the high street for the people that have not got their house on order. Um, and again, this is all on the, 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 the backdrop of uh, political and economic uncertainty with Brexit and a weak pound. Consumers aren't confident. They are not frivolously spending on the high street. So businesses need to be smarter and work harder for that consumer pound. Is it going to be as bad as last year? My prediction, the first half is going to be worse and hopefully we'll look at some kind of recovery second half as we get some certainty as to what happens with the economy. Thanks for coming on the show, Jonathan. It's been great to have you here. Pleasure. To those of you who have joined us, 
Thanks for listening and goodbye.